I will set the zeitgeist straight. The movie has too much of the cast in it. Man, I'm saddled with Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> the world's most uncharismatic actor. <laughs> but it has no poetry. That's not what this is about. The so. problem was when the hero started facing adversity. Get off your soapbox, Laura Dern. <laughs> I want to square off on this guy at a dinner party. The music was thick. So far, you have not dazzled me. I'm just letting <laughs> you know. Hey everybody, welcome to Off The Mark, a uh, good chat on bad takes of great movies. I'm Dave Colombo. I'm McAndrews. And uh, we have a fabulous special guest today, Trevor Ford. Give it up, everybody. Hey, thank you guys so much for uh, having me. So excited to be here. Really brilliant comedian, one of my favorite people. And as soon as we decided that we were going to do um, an episode on Legends of the Fall, we knew we needed to... Uh... <laughs> I am your man. Um, it, not that it's not that it's a competition, but I see what you have in the back there. Hold on, let me just—I got too much stuff on my on my um, desk oh, here. Wow, I got to move some stuff out of the way. Oh, hold oh, on. Here we go. Oh, hold on. It's not. It's not. Let's a, take them all out and measure. It's not boys. a competition here or anything, go. but I just got. I just have to get this vintage um, pillowcase uh, out of there. Wow. Just, to, just move that out of there. Just, <laughs> wow, great. Now that that's that. all out of the way. You know what's funny is I literally, so I have the Rebel Alliance tattoo, and for anybody who's not watching the video portion of this, you have no idea what just occurred, uh, <laughs> but I, I have uh, the I have the Rebel Alliance tattooed on my arm, and literally the reason why I got it is because I got tired of buying the merch, and I got tired, <laughs> and, and I got tired of this whole, like, oh, am I really, like, you know, the whole bona fides of, like, being a fan and all that kind of stuff. So, like, now I don't, I have the posters, but other than that, I don't own a thing because I've got the tattoo. I don't need to, I don't need to worry about it anymore. That's <laughs> such a so valid, ridiculous. I've never heard a more valid, like, like, excuse for getting a tattoo. It's the nerds on the, you know, you walk down the street with a Star Wars t-shirt on and they're like, name three characters. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. an ACDC shirt on, name three ACDC songs. <laughs> yeah, so I don't have to do that anymore. Is it hard with, I mean, and we can get into this obviously with like the sequel trilogy and everything. Uh, this is the Rebel Alliance symbol from the OT and whatever it's has been done to the franchise, whatever it means now or where they took the Rebel Alliance and, and pros and cons of the, the, the movies. Can you separate that from this tattoo and be like, this is how I felt about this, these specific three movies or, you know, how do you separate that from like where the franchise is gone? That's a fantastic question. And I got the tattoo when I was in college and I remember, you know, uh, return of the Jedi was my favorite movie of all time, specifically return of the Jedi. I mean, star Wars more broadly, but like return of the Jedi is my, was my favorite for a long time. Now it's like, you know, probably like a top three. It wasn't the first movie that I saw in theaters, but the first like film experience that I remember having in theaters because I'm a little bit younger than you, I'm 36, was my dad taking me to see Return of the Jedi in 97 when the special editions were re-released. Yep. And so it's just always been there. And so I got the tattoo like for that because like, it means a lot to me and all that kind of stuff. And But what I had never considered is that they would make new ones that are, <laughs> not, that are not for me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah. it does mean something different to younger people now. And it's become such a different thing now. It's it's so much bigger. It's so like baked into the very fabric of our culture. It's not even that like I've outgrown it. It's almost outgrown me in a way, I feel like. Interesting. Um, so 
Yeah, it's it's hard, but you know, I look I look at it every day, my tattoo every day, and every and it makes me smile every day. That's and all. I've had it for that's all you can. And I've had it for thirteen years. So. That's yeah, pretty great. Like I'm thinking about it, I have a Simpsons tattoo, which I <laughs> I end up having. I, I connect to one third of that show, <laughs> and the right. other two thirds, I'm like, it's not for me, like you said. But it's like I can look at this for what it is for me and immediately be taken back to what I like about it and it makes me smile. Yeah. And that's also how whenever we get into you get into conversations about the new movies and whether or not they're good or bad. And like you got you made a reference the other day on one of your episodes about Last Jedi, which I made me laugh. And I always end up the argument I can go for hours and hours, but I always end up back to it's not for us. Right. You know, they're children's movies ultimately. And mm -hmm. we're not children, so you're 100 right. There is something that I always kind of defend a little bit, which is that the there is a difference between the criticism we're about to talk about on this episode <laughs> and and the criticism of like angry fanboys go like you know who do TikToks where it's just a picture of you know uh, Admiral Holdo going like this is what Star Wars is now like right. that's toxic and and awful. But there is something where it's like. No, no, the, there is bad Star Wars, and if we can talk about it in a constructive way, maybe we can get more Andors. Like, maybe if we actually talk about the problems technically in, in the Obi-Wan show, we can raise the bar of expectation and maybe get better quality products out of it. So I do think that there is like a a a criticism that that's valuable it's just in the messenger which comes back to this show which is like Mick you you and I in in the episodes that we've done of this show it is amazing what little responsibility film criticism in in the 70s 80s and 90s thought it had these these like just fanning themselves on their thrones. Like I'm yeah, not going to tell you a, how you should have done it, but you did. There's it an wrong. amazing. There's an amazing like decadence to these reviews <laughs> yeah. sometimes. Yes. Like just this feeling of like wrong. Next, like there is no <laughs> like, no no constructive feedback, which I think in this day and age is just. It's so jarring in a world like Dave's pointed this out over the course of the show, but in this world of YouTube where there are hour long video essays on like a five minute scene in a movie explaining what's done right and what's done wrong and why if you did this one thing, it would change the entire movie for the better. Like in a world where that is free and readily available to anyone who cares enough to, you know, um, you know, to, to get him like take an interest in film criticism. It's really tough to read a, a review going like, yeah, I guess it's for sweaty nerds, but <laughs> not for like, you know, we if you're did... into that kind of thing. Sorry, this is, we're, we're, I'm still a little salty. We just did the matrix. Yeah, and... we did the matrix. I know, which, I, which I listened to, I listened to last night, which was, the, I listened to that one in the thing last night, which is oh, so Oh, thank great. you. We, we just did a, a fellowship of the ring and the, the oh, amount, nice. like, like, Here's three sentences to explain why everything Peter Jackson did in three years didn't work. There's this air, especially the old reviews, the print media reviews have this air of like a tenured professor who knows they they can say what they want. And like they're, <laughs> yeah. they're 
uh, beholden to no one, responsible to no one. Right. And so you can write four pages that amounts to effectively like, it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> and like, that's <laughs> fine. Like that worked back then. Mm -hmm. uh, now I think there's a little more integrity and responsibility. I mean, comments are comments. People are lunatics right. there, but, uh, but but that but that energy was never destroyed. It was just transferred. It, it's it's now in the commentary community. Like it, yeah, it went from and, you know, yeah. and people feel people feel the weight of of feedback. Like to your point, when someone goes bad, obviously you don't like. What, what can you meaningfully do with that? But if someone points out something where you're like, oh, shit, I could have done that and that would have been good. Like, that's how you get better. That's how you do yeah. things better and more constructively and, and that kind of stuff. So I, it's, uh, it's a little bit more of a, a give and take that they didn't have back then. On the on the note of specifically Star Wars, like I remember seeing Rogue One in theaters and my initial like reaction as soon as the credits rolled was that was unbelievable. That's what we want. And I saw that movie with someone who was studying film at NYU and within seconds of walking out of the theater, we're going, that movie was terrible. Here are all the reasons why that movie is terrible. And his criticism was so specific and scathing that it has ruined Rogue One for me. <laughs> and when I, when yeah. I watch it, I go, you know what? he was like he was right like in like <laughs> like the things the things that he says i'm like i can't now not notice them and mm. it's like ruined that movie for me but it's that's so that's yeah, the man. point your your love for something should be able to stand up to scrutiny okay we're uh, we haven't even like named what the sh okay <clears throat> yeah. dave we're gonna cut here <laughs> jesus okay so we are going to talk about uh, today uh, Star Wars Episode Four. So with this show, what we love to do is we love to break down uh, film reviews for <laughs> that 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 blasted our favorite movies, the greatest movies of all time. What are the what are the film reviews that did not get it right that were really off the mark? And uh, I think this is going to be a a huge episode for us because I mean. This is, I mean, because we've already done like we've done movies like Jaws and The Matrix and things like this, but the the importance of this film, I have never met somebody who's gone like, is not good. It's all, I've also never met anyone who said what Star Wars. Right. I know oh, people yeah. who are like, I don't know what Jaws is, I don't know what The Matrix is, but everyone knows what Star Wars is. There's nobody you hand up a picture of Darth Vader is going to be like, what? Like nobody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know people who haven't seen it, but everyone knows what it is. Right. And Ever there's made. something about um it has very much the same vibe to me as uh Ghostbusters in that it was a complete, completely lightning in a bottle. It was not supposed to work. Uh the original edit was was unusable. It was a confluence of events, the right people at the right time making the right movie. I, I just recently saw an interview where Mark Hamill was talking about he was on set when they were revealing Darth Vader um, that when they were shooting that scene. And he asked George, like, why? Why didn't you like add like somebody saying like, oh, my God, that's Darth Vader, the Darth Lord of the Sith. And, and you know, Lucas said to Hamill, like, we're going to throw in some like scary music. And he he he's black and he's in it's a white background. People will get it. Every story you hear about the original filming was like they had no idea. They were just literally like, let's make this movie. And 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 the fact that it became what it became, 
the the the, the, the interviews yeah. where they're like you know you see the old footage of them uh, auditioning for the role, and they're just like you know twelve parsecs that's crazy and they they don't know what the lines are that they're saying they don't get it. It's just it's crazy. <laughs> that's what I love about Star Wars is that yeah. the, the first one is that it's it it required. Uh, it required all of these things to fall into place that were absolute luck. What I think is really underappreciated about the original Star Wars is how simple that story really is. Yeah. It really is just purely good guys versus purely bad guys. Boy saves girl. Yeah. You know, and like the Matrix, like, you know, the sequels got very convoluted with the with the philosophy and let's get further and further. But the first Matrix movie is like, yeah, there's some heady shit you know, in the lore, if you're interested, but it's, it's a Kung Fu action, shoot em up. And yeah. Star Wars is a, an old serial, you know, we got to save the princess, but also the force and something called the clone wars and laser swords. And if you want to know about, you know, if you want to read more about the, the Jedi cool, but like it, it didn't dwell in the lore. It's pretty incredible what came out of the editing of that movie because like you said the first cut of it is unwatchable the final cut of it is basically the template by which film students learn the hero with a thousand faces <laughs> yeah <laughs> like to go from <laughs> one end of that to the other is like insane meeting the mentor the rejection of the call it's like a lot of movies are kind of like squint and you see it kind of thing it's just it's just note for note the Hero with a Thousand Faces story arc. Uh, other movies that came out around the same time um, include The Exorcist 2, awesome. uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Eraserhead, uh, Saturday Night Fever, and uh, Smokey and the Bandit, and wow. Annie Hall, to name a few. Annie oh, slap, Slapshot as slapshot well. Slapshot as well. So on that note, what is our first review here? Our re first review. All right, open heart, open mind, Trevor. Got it. You guys can do this. I believe in you. <laughs> and also, just and one real quick thing to to for the context of it going into this, right? We know what movies were in the talk of the box, but also, as we understand now, nothing had ever been seen like Star Wars before. Nothing, and that's that's something I say every episode, but it's so important here. Like. Yeah. Uh, didn't didn't Star Trek the motion picture come out before this? That's 1980. That's 1980. 19 so so yeah. we didn't even have like like nothing even after Star Wars got close until yeah. until the Empire Strikes Back yeah. was like yeah we'll do it again. Like we we didn't know that sci-fi could be this. Yes. We had no idea. Yeah, I want it's important to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to remember that because I think in this one, it's particularly interesting just as I like have this in the back of your head that like this is brand new for people. The horizons that this movie expands and your ability to like the possibilities, the potential of a movie like this, like by 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 breaking this ground, uh, people's reaction to that potential is very interesting. Wow. So right. um, <laughs> hit us. All right. So this one's from The New Yorker. Uh, 1977. The loudness, the smash and grab editing, the relentless pacing drive every idea from your head. For young audiences, Star Wars is like getting a box of Cracker Jack which, with all its prizes. This is the writer-director George Lucas's own film, subject to no business interference. 
Yet it's a film that's totally uninterested in anything that doesn't connect with the mass audience. I love I love the loudness. I love like, you know, that's the first thing I, I thought of when I saw this movie is, boy, that John Williams. <laughs> oh Can he God. turn it down a little bit? Yeah. OK. All right. What's with the noise? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reviewers do not know how to how to parse out like, yes, it's popular. Yeah, it's appealing to a mass audience. That isn't inherently bad. Wait a couple years. Hollywood will give you cookie cutter bad stuff, but this is something nobody has ever seen before. Like, how do you how do you simultaneously acknowledge this has never been seen, but also he's he's just trying to appeal to as many people as possible. He he's creating something completely new. To that point. You can take the most niche movie, like the movie Tire, which is about a, you know, sentient tire that goes around killing people. Like, nobody has ever made a movie and gone, I've made this for five people who will appreciate it. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, so, you know, and again, like the loudness. Picture yourself. It's 1977. You were at a screening for a movie called Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Credits. The scroll, the, the, the crawl opens. The first shot, pan down, you see Tatooine, you see a ship, and then you see a bigger ship, and then lasers. You see that, and then you turn, you go, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love the idea of, like, boy, that Star Wars was just a, oh, really, really did a number on the eardrums. Yeah. It's uh, what the the phrase in, in all of that that jumped out to me was the relentless pacing. <laughs> there's there's uh, two droids <laughs> fucking around the desert to like literally w- walking around a Tunisian desert with like yeah. no no like purpose <laughs> no like direction yet they're just kind of like where are you going I'm not going that way like there there is downtime I mean the first the first shot of the movie is a slow crawl of text. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> followed by a slow sh- ship moving that just we feels endless the first time you see it. We but, don't meet the point. We don't meet any of the heroes of this story. I mean, there's a brief flash of Leia who doesn't say anything, but we don't meet any of the heroes until minute 20. Yeah. Mm. And when we do, Luke is getting blue milk breakfast with his family. Like, it's not like, and we're off. And getting, like, chew- and getting chewed out for being a slacker, basically. Yeah. 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 Relentless pacing. I okay. want this person to review Mad Max Fury Road. That's what, <laughs> that's what I think of when I think of relentless pacing. Yeah. That movie does yes. not let up. No, this, it's not. This, okay. So here's the next line. There's no breather in this picture. <laughs> no lyricism. The only attempt at beauty is in a double sunset. It's enjoyable on its own terms, but it's exhausting too. Like taking a pack of kids to the circus. There, it's, there... It, hang on, hang on. It's enjoyable on its own terms. What other terms are there? Yeah, yeah. right. Also, there's literally this movie has there's never been a movie like this before. Trevor, welcome to the podcast. This buddy. person, <laughs> this person seems like an absolute nightmare of a friend. Like, like you go to a football game with him and he just leans over and he goes, like, where's the lyricism? Like, dude, dude. Yeah. 
I mean, this is it's something we we didn't talk about when we were first talking about these kinds of old school reviews. But Trevor, you're absolutely right with this. Like, what what do you? <laughs> sometimes you're just like, what do you mean it's enjoyable? It's on turns. They always use these phrases that are like. I understand each word in that sentence, but like when you put it together as like a, a comment, <laughs> I have no idea what you're saying. Like you'd be like, like, you know, the imagery is is flat and uninspired. It's like it's uh, imagery. <laughs> there's yeah. a there's a what? great there's a great Todd Berry joke where he talks about being friends with people who make movies. And you go to a movie together and you try to talk about it afterwards and your friend will say, and it's always a couple, right? And the friend will say, oh, we thought it was okay. We didn't enjoy the lighting design on that. And then he goes, oh, really? We didn't enjoy the lighting design. I'm pretty sure that a pair of lighting designers wouldn't even say we didn't enjoy the lighting design. <laughs> <laughs> like growing up, my brother, he would ask me these questions like, and this is related to the uh, enjoyable on its own terms. He would say to me, which movie do you is better, Rush Hour 2 or Star Wars? And I would always have to be like, you can't compare those movies. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not the same kind of movie. If you yeah. were to ask me which movie is better, Star Wars or Star Trek, I can give you an answer. Or is Rush Hour better than, you know, Liar Liar? Like I can do, I can do something like that. But like, you know, so it's like there are no other term. There's but there's not there is no Star Trek to compare Star Wars to in 1977. But that's you know not I mean? something that these reviewers ever consider. It's always like, based on where I am, where I'm sitting, what I want, is this the terms that I want appealing? And yes. no, yes. like there's never like an awareness. There is an awareness like with like the Matrix one where they're just kind of like nerds will love it. it but it's always condescending. It's never like there is an audience for this and I get it. Like th there's absolutely a way to criticize these movies. There's a way to be like, I thought this kind of didn't really land, and and the 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 arc of this character wasn't really. There, there's a way to communicate mm -hmm. issues, but it's n they never worry about that. It's always just kind of like you know the, the imagery was flat. It's like wh what are you talking about? What does that even What yeah. does that even mean? Yeah. Well, there 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 was no accountability. There was no person back then going like you you'd maybe get an angry letter every once in a while from these people and you'd be like, like responding to this kind of thing being like you have no idea what you're talking about and yeah like that's gonna affect anything is you know there yeah, was no then, accountability and then even like you know there's also no appreciation for like the context because again they didn't know star wars was going to be a success it was re a relatively low budget yeah, if it was more than $20 million, I think I'd be surprised, mm -hmm. which for even 1977 was a lot of money, right? And so when you say stuff like the cinematography is flat, it's like, yeah, because this was a B science fiction movie. Like they weren't going for that, you know? So on like, as to compare that to in the last, in the newest Mission Impossible movie, I was reading a review of that. And the first thing they talk about is like, that movie cost $293 million to make. And they were like, and you notice you see that every, money every being dollar. spent because it. every it's so luxurious. <laughs> no, that movie. but but in the seventies, <laughs> but in the seventies, you got to get the feeling that when he when they say stuff like it's flat, they're literally expecting it to also be Lawrence of Arabia. They yeah. want the cinematography of Lawrence of Arabia in this B sci fi movie that's you know 
it's crazy. Well, well, to be fair, David, they they were in the desert for a lot of this movie. So I mean, I see it. C three PO go like, why do you like the desert? C three PO is like, it's clean. That's a hardcore Lawrence of Arabia reference for you. Deep cut right there. Uh, to answer your question, Trevor, uh, the budget was eleven million. Eleven million. You mean Star Wars for Star Wars? Sorry for just. It, the budget was actually eight million, but it cost over three million due to delays and production problems. God, unbelievable! So the original planned budget to shoot this movie was eight million dollars. They ended up spending eleven. You want to know what it got at the box? Yeah, seven hundred and seventy-five point eight million dollars. Yeah, it, it got three quarters of a bill on. <laughs> <laughs> which, which adjusted adjusted for inflation, I think, is still the second highest of all time after That's Gone with the Wind. Is that right? right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I buy that for sure. It was basically, Madness. I think, it was in theaters for like almost a full year. But the cinematography was flat. So, okay. but yeah, there's no breather in the picture. There's no lyricism in here. No, no. beauty. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> all right, let's uh, keep going. It's enjoyable on its own terms, but it's exhausting too, like taking a pack of kids to the circus. And now we're into it. Children say they're ready to see it all over again. That's because it's an assemblage of spare parts. It has no emotional grip. It has no, no emotional, emotional grip. grip. <laughs> and of course, and of course, now to be fair, <laughs> we're th- we're coming at this having seen Empire Strikes Back, right? And the emotional grip of that movie, and probably the single the most iconic emotional grip. In all of cinema history, Luke, I am your father, mm-hmm. right? Like the be the the definition of evil that we know from Star Wars. No, but even, turns out to be the father, right? You know. But even but, A New Hope, no emotional grip. His 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 aunt and uncle are burned alive. Burned alive. He's staring at the charred skeleton of his parents and going like, I I I, I have to. It's there. If you're not a child, and, a child orphaned twice. Yeah. Uh, all right. Tremendous. This is all the same <laughs> review, right? This is all one review. Um, we haven't. I we don't we don't name names, but it's the New Yorker from seventy seven. If anybody yeah. knows anything about this stuff, they know who yeah. this is. Yeah. Star Wars may be the only movie in which the first time around the surprises are actually reassuring. Going the second time would be like trying to read Catch Twenty Two twice. That that mm. that is one of those sentences where you were just talking about where it's like I understand those words. I understand I every word in that sentence, I d- but. It, yeah. Seeing it the first time, the surprises are reassuring. Mm-hmm. I think you had to fit a, a quota of words and you were like, you let a cat run across the keyboard or something because <laughs> that is crazy. What does it mean to be reassured by a surprise? Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars may be the only movie in which the first time around, the surprises are reassuring. Like, oh, thank God I was so shocked. Uh, <laughs> as opposed to other movies where the surprises the first time around you're really put off by it i would describe those surprises as uh surprising not reassuring what uh, surprises are there in the first one because we're so used to like the 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 big reveal arc, in, yeah. in the sequels yeah. like the first one i don't feel like has huge you know plot twists 
necessarily. I mean, I but, guess uh, you know Han Solo coming down uh, and sh- saving Luke in the in the trench. You're right. That the, was way too reassuring. That the uh, yeah. That was that was a and it is issue. and to be fair, and that is a surprising moment. And then when it is revealed what's happening, you are re- reassured. Oh my God, he's gonna be okay. That's a problem with the film. You're, you're he's absolutely <laughs> right. Yes, that's, that's a flaw. That's a flaw. Wow. Reassuring surprise is basically <laughs> that's what is that's excitement. That's what... <laughs> <laughs> describing excitement. You're describing excitement a little Jesus. bit here. Okay. Okay. Even if you've been entertained, you may feel cheated of some dimension. Mm-mm. A sense of wonder, perhaps. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yep. That's it. No. No. You're you're a hundred percent right. Trevor? Sense of wonder gone. When I watch Again. Star Wars, that is not. I, I I am cheated of my sense of wonder. Again. The the whole very first clip of this podcast you've ever posted that what st- what started this whole premise of this show, Jurassic Park lacks any sense of wonder. There's no sense Star of wonder. Star Wars, the Star Wars in which uh, the thing the the black hole at the center of the pop culture galaxy that which all everything else orbits around. Yeah, like defines yeah. wonder. For 50 years, nine films, count billions and billions of dollars. No sense. I feel cheated of my sense of wonder. I want to watch this guy, because I'm assuming, uh, th- this guy every year walk by a toy store and see the, 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 the hundreds of kids running by to like go get the Star Wars toys and just being like, no, kids, you don't understand. There was no wonder. Like he's still s- trying to sell it that like, no, 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 you were wrong. <laughs> Like, ah, uh, why are all these kids are so wrong about this movie? There was no wonder. <laughs> it's it, yeah, you it's cheated insane. of wonder. You cheated of wonder. That's what I felt. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna skip a little further down because we got a few of these, and and uh, I want to make sure we get to a couple others. But uh, this is my first personal favorite uh, sentence here. Um, this is still the same review. Yep. One hundred percent. This we haven't we haven't left we haven't left the dial. Yeah, uh, yeah. Lucas has got the tone of bad movies down pat. You never catch the actors deliberately acting badly. They just seem to be bad actors. On contract to Monogram or Republic, their clunky enthusiasm polished at the Ricky Nelson School of Acting. Okay, so here's the thing about that. Like my immediate first thought when you said that was. The other important context for this movie is we are at the height of New Hollywood, mm-hmm. right? And we're and like this is the post method acting world where everything is Marlon Brando. This is post Godfather, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're going back to yeah, this throwback of like Harrison Ford, probably more than any other actor who has ever lived. The definition of a movie star, which is just a tall, handsome man who stands there and recites lines, and we're like for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then I don't believe and this is Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher's first ever role, right? I, I don't know like like how Marlon Brando would have delivered the line. I was going down to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. <laughs> but I can't imagine it's gonna be that much different. You know, like you can you can you <laughs> I imagine I just imagine Marlon I mean, Brando being like, you can waste time with your friends when your chores are done. Because, <laughs> yeah, well, well. like, here's the thing, and I know, and again, again, this is something that we only really knew with time. Uh, the the issue that I had with the prequels was that the characters in the OT 
the actors were able to make something really, really special with very limited direction and very clunky dialogue. They were able to bring the individuality in and 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 the heart and the and the and the 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 truth to the to these insanely clunky lines. There's like footage of like Lucas directing them and he's giving them nothing. He's just like, just say it and we'll move on to the next yeah, okay, thing. Okay, why don't we try it one more time? Yeah. It yeah. Was I mean, start, you know, beautiful to watch them figure out how to be a team and how to be a family and how to make this have warmth and and and, and to really watch it crackle compared to like what you watch in the prequels where it's like everybody's doing something different, everybody's in a different green screen stage and you and it re really really reads to to watch a new hope and to be like these are all really bad actors who don't know what they're doing. I, I, don't, I, mean, yeah. I don't know what to say. I also and think we're forgetting it's a bad movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. Therefore, the movie's bad. But I also think we're forgetting that beyond the main cast, this movie also has Sir Alec Guinness and Peter Cushing in it. Like, <laughs> I don't think there's anyone, even at this time, like at, at any point in time, who yeah. would consider those people bad actors. Not not to mention James Earl Jones putting in James what Earl is Jones. possibly the mm -hmm. single greatest vocal voice performance of like yeah. the one that by every yardstick, every other voice performance is measured, mm -hmm. right? 100%. Uh, yeah, I get there's a, you know, the common knock you always hear is Mark Hamill is very whiny and acts like a like a child in this movie because uh, he is a whiny child. That's exactly child. exactly <laughs> yeah. that's the point. He's a young yeah. boy. If you if that's you watch <laughs> for for what that role is, he is acting rings around like uh, other kid yeah. younger like like teenager actors asked to be that character. He's he's crushing it, and he just yeah. gets better and, and better and better as it goes. And Han Solo's character is is uh, cool as a cucumber and detached and aloof. Harrison Ford's entire life is being cool as a cucumber and detached and aloof. Yeah, yeah, that's just, that's 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 what the character called for. And I mean, I yeah, Mark Hamill, I I love him in these movies uh, as everybody I think everybody does. But um, what I think he does well in these that he doesn't get as much credit for because he gets called whiny is uh, like you have to start low. Because there's an arc to this movie. You are the hero. You're the main character. You're supposed to return from where you came having changed. That's the yes. whole yeah. hero with the thousand journey. faces. By the, the third movie, journey. he's in a cloak, you know, telling Gamorrean guards to disperse with He's with like a space force. god. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And so, but even though what I think is great about his acting in these movies is there's an arc within each movie. Like he has, you know, there's a, there are posts within this. He, I mean, I don't know what the production schedule was. You guys might know, but like, I don't think they knew there'd be a sequel when they made this movie. They thought it'd be a failure. Right. So yeah. like he has growth in this movie and yet room for more. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a great, I, th I thought he kind of calibrated it correctly. Yeah. Uh, that's a constant, that's a constant source of debate. Like even still to this day about whether or not Lucas had three films sketched out in advance mm. or how much he knew. And like, there's talk, you know, he claims that he had a, a, a prequel or a sequel trilogy written for seven, eight and nine. Uh, but nobody like knows for sure. You know, yeah, it's fascinating. Interesting. In a gesture toward equality of the sexes, the high school cheerleader princess in distress talks tomboy tough Terry Moore with spunk. It is, is it because the picture is synthesized from the mythology of serials and old comic books that it didn't occur to anybody that she could get the force? 
just wait, bro. Like, oh my God. <laughs> that's, that's, um, I didn't even think about that, Dave, what you just said. Like, just wait, bro. Like, yeah. dude, that is tremendous. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Like now. That's how, that's how it ends, by the way. That's, <laughs> I think I've made my point. <laughs> I'm trying to think like, I mean, we, we're not the people to, to really uh, talk about this very much, but what Carrie Fisher brought to that role. Like when I think, when you say Princess Leia, the first thing I think in my head is someone's got to save our skins. And she like grabs the right. gun from Han. No, that's... In, in five seconds, she is not damsel in distress. In f- like five seconds. Right. That's what make yes, that's literally what I was thinking is like, it's the exact opposite of what she thinks it is. Like she, it's not the princess damsel in distress. She doesn't need rescuing. Yeah. No. She's happy to die on the Death Star for the cause. Yeah. Because she didn't betray them. Yeah, she's she's talking shit to Vader and Moff Tarkin. Like she's I in a recognize room your foul stench as I was brought on board. With an accent that does not last the whole movie. <laughs> no. And she's what, 19? I think yeah, when she yeah, made yeah, that yeah. movie. Crazy. Alrighty. Uh let's jump our way over. That was to... all one review. Yeah. This is uh New York magazine. Uh, from 1977. Uh, Star Wars is an impeccable technical achievement, a quantum or maybe a quasar leap beyond 2001. Very good. That's that's just, very strong writing. Oof. I just want to pause here to point out, not to like out nerd this, but a quasar is actually a celestial object in space, <laughs> not a measurement of distance. I just well, found it super ironic considering the whole parsec thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Parsecs, right? <laughs> I do not think that was deliberate. We all had the same thought. We're just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll bet uh, you, I'll bet you, if you went back and looked, like. Quasars had just been discovered. Yeah, hundred like, percent. The, the five uh, years of that review. Whoever like, it was wrote a new this word. was very excited to write those letters out. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yet Kubrick, the pioneer, had to be there to make it possible for young George Lucas to forge ahead in that direction. Though we might well ask ourselves, to what end? <laughs> all right. I don't read science fiction, of which this may, for all I know, be a prime example. So, just admitting it right off the bat not for me not for me i know nothing about this world now let me tell Allow you about this world in. some light years ago i did read flash gordon okay just stop st- like he needs he needs to cool it with with not the for, whole not not to do it again but uh, this movie is a bit is of actually, a black hole if you ask me but like, light like, years is actually a measurement of distance yeah not time he needs so to chill out you can't say some he's so doing you, the exact parsecs thing he's you have to that. wonder now you have to wonder now if it, if it is deliberate like he's done it twice as like you have to <laughs> Like it's a subtle, it's a subtle I, dig of like only no, the he, people who get he it. he bought a space thesaurus that he has open yeah, next to him. I know? truly believe he's yeah. I whatever the 1977 equivalent. Lucas of fails like, to get through the yeah. asteroid field of problems with this, but like and we know that's coming. Yeah, like, but that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's you could fit. You, yeah, you could fit uh, asteroids in the plot holes in this movie. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So stupid. Okay. okay. Um, Tell me about the light years. Uh, yeah. Some light years ago, I did read Flash Gordon, of which Star Wars is, in most respects, the equal. 
But is equaling sci-fi and comic strips or even outstripping them worthy of the talented director of American Graffiti and worth spending all that time and money on? Yes. Does he, is he asking for an answer? Because the answer I is think, yes. I think the <laughs> ROI speaks for itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love the, the idea of I appreciate the auteur behind American graffiti. And I wish he had stayed in that lane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's a, that's a brilliant thing to say. Like, yes, he absolutely nails what he's trying to do here. He, he crushes this genre perfectly, but, but why? Cause he but wanted why? to make the biggest movie of, of the year yeah. and maybe yeah. of all time. Like, I, I don't mean, know. that's how I feel about like Spielberg, the last movie, you know, 2018, he does ready player one. And then he goes oh, at 75, mind you, Oh, maybe I'll fuck around and do a musical. Yeah. yeah and then, yeah. and then he does, uh, you know what I'm talking about? West Side Story. Why, yeah. Thank you. I, I kept wanting to say singing in the rain. I was like, that's not right. That would be uh, cool. And, you know, what, he does remakes, probably the most iconic musical of all time, and crushes it. Mm -hmm. And imagine reading a review of the new West Side Story and being like, yeah, but really he should stick to the Schindler's Listy kind of Stay in your lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay in your lane. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, that was, a, by the way, that Spielberg thing was a total, like, Caesar wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's just like, I'm going to do a musical now. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it's the same guy who was like, dinosaurs, holocaust. Dinosaurs, yeah, I mean, that's, holocaust. Yeah, just, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. That's, that's why he's the greatest director to ever live. Because yeah. in 93, he does Jurassic Park. 94, he does Schindler's List. Or whatever, yeah. 92, 93, yeah. We Crazy. had to pump Insane. the brakes on this show on like too much Spielberg too soon. Because it's like, well, if we're really doing the, the movies that everybody agrees are perfect... It's 90%. It's, it's like, it's let's, do e let's do E.T. Let's do Close Encounters. It, let's do. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like whenever you talk about like, who are the greatest directors of all time? It's like, you know, or whatever, like it, there really isn't an argument. It's, it's like, more it's fun to talk about the, the race for second place. It's more yes. fun, you know, like, like, okay, we know Michael Jordan. Cool. Let's, let's yeah. talk about everybody else, you know? And uh, I'm sorry to I'm sorry that we went off on that little bit of tangent. But back to the review that Mick on the note of directors, right? The of Mick, uh, basically what they're saying is like this movie wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Kubrick and 2001. Even though George Lucas has famously said he made Star Wars because he was going to the movies and not seeing anything like what he wanted to see. Mm -hmm. I sincerely hope that science and scientists differ from science fiction and its practitioners. Heaven help they us. Do. They do. They, yeah. um, again, we can answer these questions. <laughs> Decidedly, they do. It's like the idea about like, it's oh. the lack of curiosity here to just be like, yeah. I wonder if scientists are different than people who write fiction <laughs> about science. Is every is every archaeologist like Indiana Jones? <laughs> <laughs> uh, heaven help us if they don't. We may be headed for a very boring world indeed. Yeah, we're not. Uh, this is an movie makers are making movies about science fiction and scientists are doing science. It's yeah. We can and answer have you ever this. Seen them, and have you ever seen any movie where they tried to be like as accurate as science as possible? They're boring. Yeah. 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 And, and you don't like, like, did he go see this movie and look to his left and see like someone in a lab coat feverishly taking notes? Like, I guess this is science now. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. <It's> <laughs> 
<laughs> or just yeah, just sitting with scientists and at, at every at every scene they go wrong. <laughs> yeah, and probably wrong. Also, and I, I I and I love the I love that idea too of like he's got an actual like a NASA scientist on set as an advisor. And mind you, Star Wars is like again the most the thing that has spawned all nerddom. Like it is the yeah. crown jewel of nerddom, right? And Lucas on set, or or Harrison Ford on set, and then an actual NASA scientist is like, um, actually, it wouldn't work like that. And then though, and then George Lucas being like, "Shut up, nerd." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They high five and yeah. <laughs> wow. Um. Okay. So this is an interesting article because uh they went back and found. The person who wrote this and read it to them and they provided annotations to this article when and did they I, go back and do this uh 2017 Whoa. okay so oh, nice so okay. 40 years later yeah 40 years later they got back and had them had them up till now by the way the person was silent no annotations as of yet this is the first time that they weigh in at the sentence we may be headed for a very boring world indeed and here's here's his thought i'm not particularly fond of fantasy <laughs> That that doesn't mean I that doesn't mean, mean that I totally ignore it or despise it, but I don't relish it either. I didn't know whether that was going to be a trend, but on the whole, I never got involved with Star Trek in any way whatsoever. And of course, that has to do with television, of which I'm not very fond. I didn't see any threat to the future from Star Wars. Oh my god. This is him. That also 40 doesn't years answer later. the actual question of are we living in a the boring world that you thought Star Wars might usher in? Yeah. I get the feeling that they're like, what do you think not. about that? And he's just kind of like, yeah. I don't like fantasy. Yeah. And who was, who was president in 2017 to be like, oh yeah, we're headed for a boring world? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wrote that in 2017, and it could fit word for word exactly into his 1970 that was what i was what i was thinking as you a second yes he stands by it but what i was thinking as you were reading it is like he's still he's still speaking as if he's a, a new york magazine film critic yeah, yeah 40 yeah. years later like the he's still the sentence structure is exactly the same that's wow. fantastic yeah stick also, in my sense. and i was kind of hoping you were going to say that actually like I, I if he had been like offered a mea culpa and being like i was wrong that would have been, but for the fact that he stuck to his guns, but nope, I thought it sucked 40 years ago, and I stand by that. And not even just the movie, just the idea of sci-fi, of like fantasy, right? He, Science fiction in general, like, fantasy. Yeah, that's for squares kind of thing. I don't, I don't ignore it, but like in whatever. 2017, it's no 2001. In 2017, it's it's there. It, it's permeated into the zeitgeist. Like it's it's not like the niche thing that it was in the 70s. How it's, interesting uh, to be able to like get back, like to hold it up to them and be like, your job is to is to review these things. You said it would, might lead to a boring world. Look around. There's 40 year olds wearing Star Wars short shirts, dude. Ronald Reagan, as president, wanted to build space lasers to shoot down Soviet nuclear missiles, and he wanted to call it Star, call Wars. Star Wars. You were wrong in the eighties. <laughs> You were like four years later. Yeah. <laughs> Within four years, we were trying to make it real. We never ever get an explanation as to here's what you should have done, here's what you could have done. Why not explore this? I'd be so interested because that's what we get now in the modern era. Like, like we we get actual like here's how you could have fixed it. Here's what little things you could have done. Right. You never get uh, that now. You never get that back then. I I um. I had a fascinating conversation once with a friend 
about the definition of the term perfect movie. And my friend's definition of a perfect movie is when a movie makes you feel the way it wants you to feel. Ah, hmm. I love that. Hmm. I love that too. And, you know, think about like for me. So by that definition, right, School of Rock is a perfect movie. Right. You know, and Star Wars obviously is a perfect movie. And then and I and like about talking about like what is your standard? I said that same thing to another friend about like this movie makes a perfect movie is a movie that makes you feel the way it wants to make you feel. And they said, no, that's bullshit. That's manipulation. (laughs) Whoever that friend was who said that has really Ugh. has really been hurt that is a person who was not in therapy no. i mean in, yeah. in honesty we've seen reviewers who have kind of approached things that way saying like well like well sure john williams score yeah. makes you feel a certain way it's like yeah it's fucking supposed yeah, it, to. it is yeah, what, like, why are you saying it with that stank in your voice in <laughs> the the original the first trailer for force awakens is han solo's voiceover saying it's all true. Oh, it's great. The yeah. Jedi, the Sith, the Force, all of it. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then you see the Millennium Falcon fly into the shot. And I remember weeping just like at the sheer, I was overwhelmed, overcome by the emotion of it. Mm-hmm. But then other people are like, nope, I feel manipulated because that's making me feel a way that I don't feel like I should feel. And also this idea about like movies making you feel like who doesn't want to be moved by something exactly it reminds me of mm. uh there's i'm a star trek guy uh there's an episode of star trek where uh the um dr beverly crusher uh wakes up to find that certain people on the ship are disappearing and nobody remembers them ever having existed mm. she's the only one who has this memory of these people who are one by one disappearing she's trying to figure it out the whole time the entire episode she's trying to get to the bottom of it and there's just one line towards the very end when she finally is kind of figuring it out and and her, the sentence she says to herself is if there's nothing wrong with me there must be something wrong with the universe. <laughs> and it's to me, that is the mentality of these, clo- like a closed minded yeah. person is just like you, like to, to, ins- to see this joy that people get from these things and to be like, you're wrong for feeling that way. Or like you are being yeah. manipulated for having enjoyed this moment. <laughs> like the, there's you, that expression. <sighs> There's that expression, you know, if you go throughout your day, you meet 10 people and one of them's an asshole, you met one asshole. If you meet 10 assholes, you're the asshole. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like <laughs> if you, if you see 10, if you see 15 movies a year and you hate 15 movies of the year, you're the problem. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, again, I just, just as a Simpsons fan, I also have to throw out the, the Seymour Skinner meme where it's like, am I so out of touch? No. It's the children who are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the children who are wrong. Exactly. Oh. Okay, so um, world would be very boring indeed. Strip Star Wars of its often striking images and its highfalutin scientific Hang jargon. On. Stop right there, yeah. because we just heard from the last review that there's no sense of beauty or wonder. Yeah. No. Now in this in this review, it's take away the beauty and the wonder, and what are you left with? And that's my favorite when it's that like that backhanded compliment. But they're both bad. Where it's like you know, strip away the 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 great music or the amazing visuals or the the effects that have never been done before or like the the you know it's all like oh yeah, yeah you want to how many things are we stripping away to sure. get to your point? Remove yeah. the sound and images, and what you're left with is words on a paper. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like, 
like, okay, yeah. If you yeah. if you make this not what it is, it no longer is what it is. Right. Like, of course, that's yeah. Strip it of its striking images and highfalutin scientific jargon, and what you get, and you get a story, characters, and dialogue of overwhelming banality, without even a future cast to them. Human beings, anthropoids, or robots, you could probably find them all more or less like that in downtown Los Angeles today. What are you talking about? Well, and to be fair, they're not wrong about the you can find those in downtown Los Angeles. Yeah. But, you can also find them in Times Square. Yeah, like you, know, yeah. you get all types. It's a city. <laughs> you uh, uh, like the, the, these are characters with no future when the movie literally ends like on a cliffhanger and Obviously, now there have been nine films in which, you know, we waited. There was a 40 year gap in which we didn't see these characters. Yeah. And I feel like that up. line aged the worst. Yeah. yeah. There's no future to it. It's one of the most yeah. successful franchises of all time. It just and, not most, some, and some of the most successful characters, the most the most iconic characters in all of film. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. The fact <laughs> that he's saying that, like, the the that the story is banality, it's Space magic and warrior monks and giant like cyborg evil monsters and uh, an epic evil empire and a ragtag. It, it takes place on multiple planets with different kinds of spaceships. It couldn't be like the story, even if it wasn't executed well. Chess with a Wookiee. Right. Even if it's not even <laughs> a if it robot wasn't, fighting a Wookiee. It was perfectly executed, but even if it wasn't, you can't say that the story was banal. Do you remember the, uh, there is a trend a few years ago on Twitter or Twix, as I refer to it now, <laughs> uh, when it was like, sum up a movie badly. Yeah. And my favorite one of all time was from Simon Pegg, who said, uh, twice orphaned child follows a religious extremist into the desert, mass murder ensues, which is, <laughs> which yeah. is what this yeah, person exactly is saying. That's strip it of everything. Yeah. Yeah. When you strip away the lights and the wonder and the double sunsets and the sound and the score, what you're left with is an orphan child following a religious extremist committing terrorist acts. Yeah. And it, <laughs> and that's not for me. The characters are what are they make the the movie. They make the story. It always it always strikes me as weird when you see someone with a movie, especially like this, that says like the characters are banal. Like there's a there's a fucking trash can in this movie that beeps and squeaks, and I understand its personality. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I get I get that it is like sarcastic. You know? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? That's unbelievable yeah wow it's, that's so true yeah these characters are iconic for i mean when literally chewbacca goes and then han solo goes relax yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah we know exactly what understand by han solo's reaction we know exactly what chewie is saying it's fantastic this is the end of part of episode four just wait until episode five, which we'll still be talking about episode four, but which, you know, it's, 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 okay. Part two of episode four. This is convoluted, but uh, you know, <laughs> it's a Harry Potter situation. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Part, part one and two, it's split up. It's yeah. Fucking awesome. All right. Thank you guys so been, uh, much. So, Trevor, you got anything you want to plug? 
Uh, I do stand up. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at, at Trevor is joking. Uh, I get up uh, all the time in Los Angeles. And then, you know, one other thing I want to shout out is Dave. You know, when I first moved to New York City, January 2nd, 2015, I went to an open mic at the Climate Lounge in the Lower East Side. And Dave was the first person to ever bring me on stage at an open mic Aww. in New York City. So uh, you, he, you're very, you're very good friend. You're extremely good. And it's it's nice when your friends are like also good at comedy. So you don't have to like, you know, it's it's a, a lot of fun to watch you. And I'm I'm very, very excited for you in L.A. Uh, we'll do a second part of uh, Star Wars coming soon. Uh, in the meantime, this Pew -pew. has been uh, ugh, off the mark. <laughs>